G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne with the financial support of the Community Radio Foundation. We come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. A couple of Fridays ago, I was down at the CFMEU offices. The CFMEU, the Construction, Forestry, Maritime, Mining, Energy Union. Its offices are on Elizabeth Street in Melbourne at a special presentation to delegates in the construction industry about silicosis, a lung disease that is claiming the lives of workers in their 20s and 30s. It has been called the new asbestos. We bring you an extended report from this sobering event which marks the beginning of a national campaign for a safer standard for silica exposure. Silicosis, also known as miners' fertitis, grinders' asthma, potter's rot, is a form of occupational lung disease caused by inhalation of crystalline silica dust. Silica is in quartz, sand, stone, soil, granite, brick, cement, grout, mortar, bitumen and engineered stone products. If you haven't heard of it, you're not alone as incidence of the condition has been dropping worldwide since the 1940s. However, in alarming new reports, the condition is on the rise as a result of tradesmen inhaling silica dust. Young workers cutting up the faux marble bench tops for kitchens, for example. Let's hear from Dr. Ryan Hoy, who gave a warning bell against silica at the recent launch for a new standard in workplaces held at the CFMEU Melbourne offices run by the Victorian Trade Tool. So thanks um, very much for the opportunity to come and talk today. Um, so um, black lung disease was a disease uh, that was thought to be eradicated in Australia and silicosis is similar. Um, unfortunately, we've seen a significant re-emergence of black lung disease in Queensland and we've also unfortunately seen a massive um, re-emergence of silicosis over the last two years, in particular in young tradies in the manufacturing and the construction sector. So I'm going to go through a few things today, but I first of all wanted to begin by telling you about a patient that I recently assessed. So a 34-year-old stonemason, so he's married, um, has three young children, all less than 10 years of age. His work has primarily involved production of kitchen and bathroom bench tops. So as part of his work, he cuts these slabs of stone to size and then he usually uses hand tools to cut out the inserts. So cut out the inserts for the sinks and for the tapware. He's been working in this industry for about a decade and really since the mid-2000s, 95% of his work is with artificial stone, in particular Caesar stones, the most common stone that he uses. <coughs> During his apprenticeship... And he did undertake an apprenticeship as a stonemason. He was never educated about risk related to silica dust exposure. And during his work, he was never screened for a possible occupational lung disease. So in 2014, he first saw his GP. He had a persistent dry cough. It just wasn't going away. His GP tried him on a couple of inhalers, thought maybe it was asthma, uh, but his symptoms didn't improve. In fact, he got worse. So over the the next year, 
The cough worsened and he became more short of breath and particularly noticed this when he was playing with his kids. So his GP then referred him to a respiratory specialist for further testing. He had a CT scan of his lungs and he had some other testing done and he was diagnosed with silicosis. Because of this disease, he was told he shouldn't return to his workplace anymore because further silica exposure was likely to worsen his condition. So he took that advice and didn't return to work, but his condition deteriorated. So over the following two and a half years, he's now developed what's known as progressive massive fibrosis over a very rapid period of time. He's now short of breath when he walks 100 metres and he can't play with his kids anymore. His lung function has deteriorated to 50% what it should be. And there's no treatment for this preventable occupational lung disease. His only hope now is lung transplantation. So there are many diseases that are associated with silica exposure. And what we're most concerned about at the moment are these forms of silicosis known as acute silicosis and accelerated silicosis. And these are diseases that are actually quite different to chronic silicosis. Acute and accelerated silicosis are associated with high intensity exposure to silica dust. There have been many outbreaks of silicosis and acute silicosis over time. So this is from 1900 in Utah, this is the Delamar Quartz Mill, and there were 100 deaths here over a five-year period. Then in the 1930s in the US, there was 480 workers that died over a five-year period. Now this is the Hawker's Nest uh, Tunnel. And this is uh, acknowledged as one of the worst industrial disasters in US history. Uh, more recently, there have been clusters of acute silicosis associated with other exposures. Uh, one of the most well-described relates to sandblasting of genes. This was a practice that was quite common in Turkey to provide the aged look on uh, denim genes. There's also been outbreaks in dental laboratory technicians in the United States in the sandblasting of oil field pipelines and more recently in hydraulic fracking for gas and oil extraction. But what we're most concerned about at the moment is the use of artificial stone. And so this comes by various other names, so um, engineered stone, uh, reconstituted stone, quartz conglomerate. There's a lot of different names that's used for this product. And there are a variety of companies that do produce this stone. Um, Caesar stone would be the most commonly known form of it. It's been available only in Australia since 2001, so it's a relatively new building material in our country. But since that time, it's become an extremely popular building material. So essentially, artificial stones made from finely crushed silicon-containing rocks. And these rocks are crushed to almost a powder-like consistency. And then they're bound together with a resin and then they're formed into slabs by this process of pressure and heat curing. And so the major issue with this product is that it contains an extremely high level of silica. So the natural stones which have been commonly used to form bench tops include marble and granite. And marble only actually has 2% silica in it, and granite typically about 30% silica. Whereas artificial stone has greater than 85% crystalline silica, which is actually comparable to the amount of silica that's in sandstone. So workers then will cut the slabs of stone, they'll cut them down to size and then they'll cut out the inserts, as I mentioned before, for tapware, for sinks, etc. And they'll often do this with uh, hand tools. 
Um, unfortunately, despite the known high level of silicate in the product, there's been very little research that's been done into occupational exposure to silica in this industry. So the SafeWork New South Wales uh, hygiene and toxicology team, pleasingly, have actually been quite proactive about this issue over the last uh, year. And they undertook a study, and the results of this they presented at the ICO conference in Dublin earlier this year. And what they did was that they went out to uh, six different workplaces and they monitored exposure to silica dust amongst 35 workers. So they had personal monitoring over that eight-hour work period. And the results were really quite alarming. So they found with the polishing of stone that the average level of exposed to silica dust was 0.2 milligrams over an eight-hour period, which is currently double the, uh, the exposure standard. That's the average level of exposure. And some workers were exposed to levels of two, which is 20 times higher than the current exposure standard. Wet cutting, which has been by some people thought to be a safe work practice with cutting the stone, was also associated with a level that is in exceedance of the current exposure standard, and also with some levels of extremely high proportions amongst workers. And of note, there were actually some people that were not actually on the plant floor. They were actually likely in the office environment next to the workshop, where they were also exposed to levels above the current standard. And that study didn't actually look at what's thought to be the most dangerous, the most hazardous form of dealing with the stone, which is dry cutting. And from the workers that I've seen, dry cutting has been a very, very common practice with the stone. This one study uh, investigated and they looked at uh, the amount of exposure to silica dust over a 30 minute period. And the current um, recommended standard is to not exceed 0.3 milligrams per cubic metre over a 30 minute period and they recorded levels of 44, so 150 times higher than the current uh, recommended standard. The first report of silicosis from this product was in Italy in 2011. So relatively recent identification of this condition, and since that time, there have been many more reports, many more clusters that have been um, described in the medical literature. Uh, many from Europe and now many from, uh, North, the, uh, um, uh, from America as well. Uh, Caesar Stone is a company that's based in Israel and they've been producing this stone since the late 1980s um, and have been using it for obviously much longer than we have in Australia. And currently they report 40 new cases of silicosis per year due to artificial stone work and 4% of all their lung transplants are performed because of this disease. So what have we seen in Australia recently? So in early and mid-2017, uh, through discussion with colleagues in the Thoracic Society of Australia and New Zealand, we tried to collate um, our information about the workers we'd seen in our day-to-day -day practices as respiratory physicians. And these are doctors from uh, New South Wales and Queensland as well as here in Victoria. So we rapidly identified uh, seven workers and what was most troubling was the range of age of these workers, with some being in their mid-twenties. They'd worked with Stone for a relatively short period of time, uh, for between four years and ten years, prior to the onset of their symptoms. 
There was no health surveillance performed at any of their workplace. None had screening chest x-rays performed, even though that's actually part of the regulations related to silica uh, exposure. There were relatively small workplaces between two and 20 workers at each workplace, and many came from overseas initially. What we found when we looked at uh, data related to their lung function was that they had a rapid decline in their lung function. So after diagnosis, they had 30, on average, a 30 times greater than expected rate of decline of their lung function in comparison to a healthy adult. And we found that looking at their CT imaging as well, they also had a rapid progression from mild simple silicosis through to this terrible form of disease known as progressive massive fibrosis. And even after leaving their workplaces, they had ongoing deterioration in their lung function and their condition. But these workers that we described uh, mid last year are really just the tip of the iceberg. These are workers that became apparent to, to us as respiratory physicians, and there's quite a few steps to actually get to see a respiratory physician. They're all workers that presented with symptoms. They presented with cough, shortness of breath. They weren't picked up at, a, at an early stage. So health surveillance has not been performed in this industry, and it really must be performed to identify workers at an early stage before they actually develop severe lung disease. Just this week, speaking to a colleague in Queensland, an occupational physician in Queensland, because of some increase in awareness of this issue, he has been engaged by two employers that run businesses, and these employers are extremely concerned about this issue. And he engaged the occupational physician to screen their workers and out of 35 workers that he screened, he identified 12 with silicosis. So a third of the workforce. There's very limited information at the moment about the effectiveness of dust control measures using artificial stone. The studies really haven't been done to show what practice is actually safe. We really need objective demonstration of workplace silica dust levels. Going into a workplace and doing a visual inspection of a workplace is not sufficient to determine whether the level of dust in that environment is actually safe. And the hazardous chemicals regulations related to silica must be enforced. There, these regulations are in place, and certainly in my opinion and uh, my experience here in Victoria, these regulations in this industry are not enforced whatsoever. So a lot of, um, there has been an increase in media attention about this issue over the last uh, few months and this is primarily because of a, a very brave uh, stonemason from the Gold Coast, um, Anthony White, who has been brave enough to tell his story about his silicosis and the severity of his disease and what he's experienced over the last few months. And it's only really through um, Anthony stepping up and talking about what he's actually experienced that there has been an increase in awareness of this problem in Queensland and in New South Wales, but we really need to do a lot more here in Victoria as well. You're listening to Stick Together, Workers' Stories, Union News and Social Justice Issues. We are at the Health and Safety Reps meeting at the CFMEU offices in Melbourne at the launch of a campaign for a new safety standard around silica dust. Let's hear from the delegates. Uh, Kevin Patterson, Brookfield Multiplex. Well, Multiplex now. 
Well, I'm an ex-bricklayer. In our award, we used to have, if you were doing refractory brickwork, you'd go and get a x-ray, okay? Now, I work with blokes that did go and get an x-ray. I work with a bloke that had a heart and lung transplant back in 1990, 1991, somewhere around there. He uh, had that because of silica dust. We've known about it for a long time. It's been around for longer than I have. We've got this artificial stone now that's highlighted it. I commend Trades Hall for getting onto it and the unions and doctors for doing what they're doing, educating us fellas. And what Jerry's saying, getting back and educating the people on the job is the most important thing. I've been around the industry for all my life and it doesn't matter what job you go on, like Mick was saying, there's blokes sweeping the floor, we don't have sawdust, they're not wetting it down, there's tilers cutting their tiles dry. I learnt something myself there, that wet cutting, because I'm pretty big on it, after my mate Merv McDonald, may he rest in peace, he died two years ago after having a heart and lung transplant. Anyway, I'll get back to this. He um, passed away, this poor bloke, right? Other than just having a heart and lung transplant, his kidney stuffed up because of the medication. His second wife donated the kidney. Went and sued him when he got that kidney. That was because of the anti-rejection medication. He said, when I get out of this hospital, Paddo, I'm going to go for a trip around Australia. He got to Darwin. I happened to be working down at Federation Square at the time. The, the security guard got me to come to the gate. Here's me mate back from Darwin with those crutches that come up the arms here. I said, what do you got those for, Merv? Lifted his trouser leg up and his leg was chopped off. You know why? Because the anti-rejection medication stuffed up the veins. Where'd they come from? Silica dust. It's been around for thousands of years. When they built the pyramids, they probably died of it. We really need to get onto it, and what's happening now is educating everyone. These young tradies that are dying because of this new artificial stone, they probably haven't been educated enough. They've been working in factories. It's a fucking killer. It is the next killer of construction workers after asbestos. And I commend you guys for coming here and highlighting it. Every job I go on, I'm into the blokes about dry cutting. I feel like the Lone Ranger. I know I'm not, because other reps are doing it as well. It's an educational thing, and it, and it is really, really bad shit. I've probably got a touch of it myself. Because when you're young, you think you're bulletproof, dry cutting, sweeping floors, everything in, in the building industry, just about, it's got, you're talking about the uh, cement sheet. All dust is no good. Wood dust is no freaking good to you. Exposure standards and monitoring on the job 
I just heard that it's happening in the precast yards and stuff. Fucking great stuff. We need to try doing a little bit more of it on site. And like you were saying, Jerry, every one of us go back to our sites and educate the blokes on the job. Have your pre-start, your toolbox meeting, and thumb it home because it is the next killer of construction workers, in my opinion, and I've seen blokes pass away from it and a couple of other fellas that I know at the moment that are suffering very badly from silica dust. All right, thanks. Thanks, Pato. I'll just say, Pato, you might feel like the line Granger, but there's over 100 MC that will no, stand beside you, so. No, I'm not. That's, I'm not going to anybody, but. Yeah. It's, right it's right. just the message is not getting through. Robo, then Nick. Yeah, and Robertson, Icon. My understanding is you guys recommended 10 years ago that the levels be adjusted by quarter, and nothing's happened. My, what I don't get is when you have the experts that do all the monitoring, comes around the world, other countries shift into it. Is it work safe that you've got to move on this or is it other bodies as well or what? The list of exposure standards, workplace exposure standards that Safe Work Australia promulgate has not changed for a long time and the reason for that is that the government decided in its wisdom that you needed to carry out a regulatory impact statement if you wanted to change any of them and that was a very expensive and time-consuming thing to do that Safe Work Australia didn't have the resources to do. However, it's now um, uh, last year it it called for a, a a whole new way of setting exposure standards and they are actively looking at them now. In fact, if you go to the Safe Work Australia site, they are calling for submissions for um, ways in which the exposure standards should be set. Um, so the, the time is now to take some action on um, the exposure standards as a whole so that they, yes, they're actively soliciting comments on, on how this should be done. So... Yeah, now. I've got some 10 years after I've done safe work. So, um, so my name is Gabriel Silva, and I'm a stonemason. I've been doing it for 20 years, and um, I was recently diagnosed with silicosis. Um, I think the problem is, is it's off-site. Um, they tell us, uh, I always use a mask, they tell us that um, when WorkSafe comes, um, Let's keep the dust down, make sure we clean the factory. Um, and then we've got the extractors. They're going out. <coughs> they're going outside. We've got other factories, other people. They're all breathing that, that material. Um, and I think it needs to be policed uh, because at my factory, um, there's two of us. And I work with two big factories that uh, we do 95% of all the high-rises. So we use a lot of that silica that uh, Caesar stone. <coughs> um, I was, I don't know say lucky, but I got picked up uh, because I watched it uh, on the project. Um, or else I would have kept on going because I'm pretty fit. Um, I had my lung function test uh, 130%, you know, above, and that's, that's a good thing. Uh, but I would have kept on going, going to work. And if it wasn't... I haven't seen that on the project. I just would have kept going. You know, I've got a young family, two girls. 
Um, I don't know what the future <coughs> means. Um, but, you know, I've got to be strong. And if you, can, you guys can push it, um, yeah, it'll be good for the for my colleagues and all the other people, you know. Yeah, so. All right. to most of the room here converted, but the importance of us going out of this meeting and taking it back to our jobs. Have the conversation, but have the conversation in a manner that they take us seriously. We're watching, you know, the older blokes get up, and I know my old man was exposed to it, working in the ship, strip and lagging, uh, when he was quite young, and there's only two left out of that crew that they used to work with, and they all died from asbestos exposure. We all saw how long that was dragged on after the governments and, and, and relevant bodies knew that it was killing us. They kept exposing us, and we all remember those who were around when it was actually banned. It was the construction unions that did it. This time around, we've got you know educated people up the front that are giving us the MO to take back to the jobs. Go back and have a robust conversation. Um, I would say that's have a conversation where they, they know the only option is you either monitor it and follow our path, otherwise it stops on that job. We've got a government at the moment that's going to probably fine us for this campaign, let's be honest. But the only way it's going to stop is the CFMEU is going to go out and stop it. Make sure it's monitored and make sure that we follow the process. We've got WorkSafe in the room. I'll try and be polite. I don't want to speak for the room, but I'm going to speak for the room in regards to the reps. Let's be honest. Many a time we've, re we've requested, as Nick said, for WorkSafe to come out and fix such issues. This issue is not going to be fixed unless we push the, push the point. And we probably will, as I said, get fined for doing things that these people up the front are asking us and pleading us to help with. But it'll be the CFMEU who delivers it, and it'll be you people who are the most important tool in utilising to do that. I plead with WorkSafe, and I understand that you do get you know, interference from relevant governments, etc. But get out there and do your actual job. You're a regulator. There's people here that are genuinely looking after people's well-being and workers' well-being under the Act. I've had many situations where WorkSafe don't come out and support that. I'm, like I said, I don't want to speak for the room, but I'm speaking for the room. This isn't going to happen <laughs> if it's just us. WorkSafe need to get on board and do what they're supposed to do as well. And once again, the CFME will deliver a better outcome for the next generation. Thanks. That's it from Stick Together today. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Dr Ryan Hoy and the HSRs at the CFMU for being part of the program. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Until next time, stick together. <laughs>